Thank you, Dr. Fred. Always a pleasure. Always an encouragement. We appreciate you and the missus as well. And just this whole movement here, we are just blessed to, to be here. Um, I've had many sweet moments in this room, sitting where you have sat. Just many sweet moments with the Lord in this room. And uh, it's just a blessing just to simply be back and be in the presence of God with you all today. It's, it's really a treat. So thank you for having me today. I'm, I'm super honored just to be a part of all that's going on here and what you're doing. So God bless you. It's exciting. How, how many of you guys are, are 20 years old or less? Anybody? All right, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm in a new stage of my life where I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm a lot older than I used to be, all right? So 20 years ago, I came to Bible school, so just to put that in context, all right? So any of you that are not 20 years old yet, um, I was here before you were born. <clears throat> Anyways, all right, we'll move on from that right now. But uh, this morning, I would like to speak to you today about finding freedom from the voice of failure. Maybe you found yourself in the midst of a bad relationship before um, when it's failed. Uh, maybe, maybe you found yourself in a friendship or maybe, maybe there's a falling out with a family member. Maybe there's something that you set yourself to do in life and you missed that mark and you just kind of are constantly hearing that voice that comes along with what you didn't or maybe what you did too. It's that voice of failure that seems to kind of accompany us through our lives, through the different things that we've done, and it kind of speaks to us as we try to get into what God's will is for our own lives. It accompanies us all, all the way, it travels with us. It's, it can be a, a traveling buddy with you if you let it be. Today I want to talk about that struggle, the voice that, that comes against us, that causes us to question so much in our lives. In his book, Break Open the Sky, Stephen Bauman writes, despite our near-phobic fear of failure, the facts suggest that it's actually a common, almost universal experience. Has anybody failed here in anything before? I think we've all been in that boat before. But he writes, 75% of venture capital-backed startups, they fail. 75%. 81% of new hires don't work out. 99% of new patents never earn a penny. 95% of new products introduced in a given year fail. 88% of New Year's resolutions fail. Come on, is anybody? Yeah? All right. 100%. Listen. 100% of all human bodies fail. It's inevitable, right? It, it, it's the truth. I played basketball last night, and man, I'm, I'm feeling it all over the place. I'm realizing that my body, it fails me, right? David wrote, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know, as I was preparing this, uh, I, I prepared this a couple weeks ago, uh, just in terms of what we're going to talk about, and, and, and right when I, I get on campus today, my, my wife, she texts me, she was at a doctor's appointment this morning, 
and she was just sharing with me that uh, she's going to have to go on a heart monitor. She's had, having these, these flutters in her heart, and they've got to check it out to see what's going on there. So they've got to do some different tests. And, and uh, little did I know that just, you know, just hearing that right before speaking and sharing a verse, like, my, my flesh and my heart may fail. It's like, oh, man, like, that's, that's reality in life. Our flesh, our bodies, they're going to eventually fail. Not only our bodies, but even our hearts. Not only our physical hearts, but, but kind of the heart that is, is like the center of, of who we are. The heart absorbs all of our experiences, all of the things that we go through in life. It, it, it feels, it, it, it projects. It, the heart is like that, that seat on the inside of you where everything kind of goes through. Our hearts, they're going to fail. I mentioned before that David wrote that verse, but my apologies, it was actually Asaph. But, but he questioned whether or not his following God in this chapter, uh, chapter 73 of Psalms, he questioned whether or not his following God really was doing anything for him in life. It seemed like those who, who cared less about God seemed to be succeeding all around him. And he was questioning this pursuit of God in his life of what's going on here. Why, why should I do this? It seems like everything else is working out for everybody else, but I'm following God. I'm supposed to be things are supposed to be working for me and they're not all i feel like is a failure question whether or not it's following god was really doing anything at all for him his life god his ability to trust god they all seem to fail this moment of his life when you throw in other things like sin and our carnal nature and man i'll tell you life sometimes can seem like a recipe for failure Alexander Pope, he was on to something when he said, to err is human. It's one thing to fail, but it's a whole nother thing to keep sitting in it, though. Failure does not have to be final. And it does not need to be the dominant voice that's projecting, causing our hearts, our confidence in God, our courage to fail. This voice that constantly reminds us of our failure is the voice that's behind the voice of the law. Now, the law is good. Don't get me wrong. Paul even says that in Scripture. But there's this voice that kind of is attached to it on the other side of it. Paul says in Romans 8, 1, it's, it's the voice of condemnation. But it's that voice that is just projecting at you and at me all the time of what we're just missing. All the time. It's speaking. But the beautiful thing is the law, well, I shouldn't say that this is beautiful, but, but it, it turns beautiful because the law demands your failure. Do you know that? The law demands your failure, but grace, it governs your success. And there's a greater voice, and that's the voice of Christ, that's the voice of grace, that, that, that is over that voice of the law, the voice of condemnation that the law brings to us that projects our future, that we can be a success in who Christ has called us to be. Success isn't the measurements of society. Success and success alone is in following Christ and finding your significance in him. That's what a successful life looks like. It's a life of significance in him. Not what we've been able to achieve. Not what the world deems that are the standards of how we live. Law demands your failure, but grace governs your success. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to look at a story in John chapter 21. It happens to be probably my favorite. 
And it might be my favorite just because I've had um, some, some moments in this exact place on the Sea of Galilee where the Lord just kind of talked to me personally. And so just from this story, it's just a, a beautiful reminder of how grace, grace governs our success. And if you find in John chapter 21, it says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Just pause, hang out there just for a moment really quick. There's a way that Jesus reveals himself to us, to his disciples, and especially Peter here in this moment. We're going to get to that in just a second. But they were struggling with the voice of failure. In their lives in this moment. They were saying things like, did we miss it? Have these last few years been a failure? I mean, you have to understand, in this part of the story, we find that, yes, Jesus has already been resurrected from the dead. The disciples have already met with the resurrected Jesus. Which is awesome, because in that moment, it's like, oh my God, oh my God, you're here, God, in front of me. Right? And so they have this amazing, these amazing moments, but yet they get back to that place where their lives started out, many of them. They go back to that same sea, Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, same place. And what do they do? They start fishing again. They're going back to something that failed. In their lives, because most of the gospel accounts of their fishing, they stink. I mean, you ever notice that? I mean, they can't catch a fish ever in any of these stories. They're awful, right? They stink. But they, they found this failure in fishing. They, they failed to catch fish in this moment, and we fail in life. And, and, and here's the deal. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the reality is, is that we're not as bad as we sometimes can project ourselves to be when we're in the midst of the failure. Sometimes we just don't catch fish. It's not God just like messing with us or, or like punishing us all the time. Sometimes we just don't catch fish. And this is the reality of this, this story here. We're not being punished. We're not out of God's favor. It doesn't mean that God's not with us. It just means we didn't catch some fish. Ever go fishing before? Have you ever walked away not catching a fish? It's a pretty big fail rate when you go fishing, apparently, okay? But Jesus instructs them, in this moment we're kind of getting to it, but Jesus instructs them to throw the nets on the other side and wham, fish. It's almost the exact same thing that happened three years prior when Peter was first called to follow Jesus. Jesus was saying, remember, I did it once before, and I can do it again. Your success isn't based on how good you are. It's based on me being a part of your life. That's what success is. That's the only way we're going to ever find any kind of success. And again, it's not the success that this world deems as success. I want to be a success to God in my life. That's the person, that's the only one that defines what real success actually is. Because we ain't bringing anything except our own selves to that judgment seat one day. Jesus was saying, remember, I did it before. You can do no good thing apart from me. 
Peter jumps into the water, runs to the shore where he meets Jesus, who's prepared them breakfast. And the details here are very important. We're going to just get to it in just a minute. I'll read it. But, but he made breakfast, it says, on a charcoal fire. Charcoal fire. The only other time a charcoal fire is even mentioned in Scripture is three chapters earlier. John 18. John 18, 18. And this happened to be in the courtyard of the high priest. Remember that scene too, don't we? Guess who was there warming himself by the charcoal fire in the courtyard of the high priest? Peter, right? It was as if that, that charcoal fire that Jesus was cooking on was just a little bit of a reminder of what just happened a little bit earlier on. Right? It was like Jesus was setting this scene. A reminder that Peter denied Jesus around a charcoal fire three times. Now Jesus isn't throwing Peter's failure in his face because that's not how he works. That's not his nature. Jesus isn't about that. He's not, he, doesn't, he doesn't bring up stuff in our lives to tell us how bad we are and how worthless we are and how we missed it. That is not who he is. But conviction can look like condemnation if we don't understand the nature of Jesus. Oftentimes we miss the nature and the heart of God, and that's why even when God speaks to us, sometimes we can receive it as condemnation and not really conviction. We prefer him not to bring up any of our failures, but in order for him to grow us and heal us, sometimes he's got to break us. He's got to do some different things in our lives. And that's what he does with Peter in this moment. He begins to conquer the voice of failure in Peter's life. The voice that constantly ties us to failure in life. It's that law that says you don't measure up. You need to try harder. You need to be better. But I want to look at how Jesus walks Peter through because he reveals himself in a certain way. And it says, it goes on in verse 17, it says, Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? See, we just go through this experience and, and Peter's running to shore and Peter's meeting Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But now we're kind of past that moment. They ate breakfast, they're all full. And Peter was grieved because he said to Jesus a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, well, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted to. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This is how he said that he would show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved following them. That was John. 21, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, it is my will that he remain until I come. What is that to you? You follow me. Peter betrays Jesus three times. We know that. Jesus asks him the same question three times. Jesus is walking through this voice of failure. Will you sit in your failure or will you get up and follow me again? That's what Jesus is saying there. And here's where the conviction and the condemnation sometimes seem so close. 
Because Romans 3.10 says, as it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. And that's true, 100% true, absolutely. None of us are righteous. We've failed, we fall short. That's where the law keeps us, though. And the law's condemnation convinces us over and over again by saying three different things. You know what the law's condemnation says to us? It says, you didn't. You can't. You won't. That's the voice that's attached to the backside of the law. You didn't. You didn't measure up. You can't. You, you don't have the capacity. You won't. You'll never. You'll never be. You'll never be that person that, that, that you hope God makes you to be. You, you won't. Peter, you didn't follow me before. In fact, you failed. You laid down your nets and followed me for a time. Then you stopped. The law says you should have, but you didn't. Therefore, you can't. You're disqualified. Because you can't, you simply won't. Future's over. You failed. You've missed it. But that's not what Christ says. I was 17 years old, um, and, and before I came to Elam, I actually attended the, the University of Buffalo, and I was a commuter there, and I remember coming home one day from school, and it was a quick turnaround. I had to get home, and uh, I had to get changed real quick for my, my job. I, I worked at a local grocery store. So I had sweet black pants and a nice red polo shirt that I had put on, you know, sport the, the top supermarket uh, clothes, you know, to work. And so I get those on and, and, and I walk outside. It's summertime. It's close to summertime now. It's beautiful outside. And so, like, you know, I mean, you're 17 and at 17, like, freedom comes, comes with a car. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter that I've got to go to my job because that's actually, the freedom's got a cost. That's responsibility. You've got you to work for that thing, right? Uh, but but I, I'm on my way. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting all ready. And, and I'm, but, you know, and I might look like I'm going to a grocery store and working for a grocery store. But, you know, you, know, you get in your car and you're vibing. You know, I mean, you know, it's beautiful. So I, you, put, you put the shades on. You know, you, you get the music cranking and all that kind of stuff. Now, when I walked out my front door, I saw across the road from my driveway, there was a car that was parked on just on the other side of the road. And, and, and I kind of just took note of that. But when I got in my car and I turned up the tunes, put on the shades, you know, because I'm going to the supermarket to work. And, um, and, and you know, I, I, I start backing out the driveway, start singing along with the song. And all of a sudden I hear crunch. Guess what I just did? I backed into that car that was parked the opposite side of our driveway. And right there, a million voices, right away, oh no. You know, I can't believe I just did that. I'm going to be late for work. They're going to fire me from work. I got to go tell these people that I just hit that My insurance. Now, I love my parents. My parents, they, 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 they uh, the biggest theme in the house was responsibility. All right. So all my friends, they, they got to they got to pay their parents, you know, maybe four hundred dollars to be a part of their insurance. Not not with my parents. I had to have my own insurance because they didn't want me on their insurance. I mean, rightfully so. I just hit a car. Right. But that was like two thousand dollars. Right. So pretty much I just worked at tops to pay my insurance. But anyways, that's beside the point. I'm still working that out with my parents to this day. Um, but 
But, you know, I mean, the voice just starts, you know, I'm walking up the driveway to my neighbors, and the funny thing is, my neighbors, they actually owned a car dealership in town, um, and, and so it's just kind of funny because, um, you know, they, they had, you know, whatever means necessary in that to take, take care of stuff, but I'm walking up the driveway, and, and I tap on the door, and I'm like, sweating profusely, you know, and, you know, I'm like barely able to look up at my neighbor and say, I just, I just hit the car, you know, and it actually happened to be the, the piano teacher. They had the, the daughter that was taking piano. It was the piano teacher's car, so I had to then retell the story to her, and then we had to exchange insurance, and, and I'm walking back down the driveway, going to go home quick and call my work just to let them know I just got into an accident, and, you know, this semi just came out. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't going to lie, but, um, but I had to, you know, I had to call work, let them know that I was late and, and, and all that, but, you know, as I was walking up my driveway, there was another thought that hit me. I, I have to tell one more person, and that one more person was my dad, and he's inside right now. I got to go tell him that I just did this stupid thing. I mean, you know, it wasn't like this car was like driving by or that was completely my fault because I was, you know, just being too cool and not paying attention to what was around me or something, right? And man, I dreaded most telling my dad. Not that my dad was mean. Not that he's a bad guy, he, he's an awesome guy, and I so appreciate how my parents raised me and all of that, but, but man, that was the theme of the household was responsibility. And so I just started to, I already started to fill in the blank all the things my dad's going to start telling me now, you know, all of these different things, and, and, and that voice, you know, starts to dominate the airspace of my mind, you know, the law, I took over, you should have done this. You should have remembered. You saw it out there. You should have looked. You should have been better. You, you should have not been into your music and paying attention. I didn't look. I was irresponsible. I was, wasn't paying good enough attention. And just that, that voice just keeps coming and keeps coming. I, I didn't. I can't. I won't. The voice of failure just shouting in my mind. And I went in and I told my, my dad and he said, well, you hit it, but definitely that was a terrible place for her to park. It's like, wait, what? My dad was like, going to bat for me here? Like, are you kidding me? And, 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 and you know what? It was amazing because, again, growing up, um, just in, in, in my home, you know, you did it, you take care of it. That was just the motto, hands down. And again, I'm very appreciative for that. But in this moment, my dad knew that I was a, a, a poor college student. Anybody a poor college student? You know what I'm talking about? We all relate. All right? We all relate. And he knew that. And he knew that what I was going through. He knew the turmoil. He's like, you know what? Let's go over and talk to them again. And why don't we, why don't we see if we can take care of it outside of insurance? Because they're either going to drop you or it's going to go sky high for you even more than what you're paying. And my dad started to kind of work this whole other side. I'm like, this is my dad? Like, my dad's doing this for me? Like, are you kidding me? Like, this isn't my dad. What happened to my dad? You know, type of deal. And, 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 and so afterwards, you know what? My, my dad, he's like, you know, I know you can't afford this right now, so I'm going to take care of it. Take care of it for you. And I'm just thinking like, okay, I don't even know you. Because 
that would not be something that you would do for me, Dad. I appreciate it. I'm not going to argue with this, but I'm just making sure that I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and it wasn't really you, right, type of deal. And, 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 and you know, he's like, you know, I, I am going to want you to, to, to pay this back. I'm like, that's fine. You know, but you know what, going back on that, he never actually made me pay that back. It was a voice of grace in my life that I experienced from my dad. See, the law is based on the performance of me, but grace is based on the performance of him. And in that moment, I got to see what real grace looked like in my own life. The law measures failure based on what you didn't do, but great grace measures success based on what Christ can do through you. So it doesn't matter the failures that you've walked through in your life. Failures only finally when you, when you believe it's bigger than God's grace. And guess what? There ain't nothing that's bigger than God's grace. Nothing. You're not defined by your failure. You're defined by God's grace. And God's grace says that you're not condemned. God's grace says that you're not a mistake. You are not a failure. That's why Paul says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law will condemn us every single time, but we've got a greater voice, and that's the voice of our advocate. And that's Jesus Christ who is standing beside you. He's standing in the throne room of God, praying, interceding on our behalf. His voice is greater than the voice of the enemy, the voice of the law, the voice of condemnation. And guess what? The advocate, he can use our failures as the greatest avenue for us to succeed by his grace. And it's here where he teaches us that it's not in our ability to be perfect. It's here where Jesus was teaching Peter. It's not your ability to be perfect here, Peter, but it's in my ability to perfect you. To complete you, because that's what biblical perfection is. It's the completion that we have in Jesus Christ. And so as we come to a, a conclusion here, give me just a couple minutes. But I just want to share three quick things that grace does and what we, the, the grace teaches us here from Jesus. Number one is this. you got to learn something from your failure. We go through stuff and you're going to fail. I, I wish I could tell you that you're not, but you're going to. You're gonna. We all are. I, I got plenty more failures than me. <laughs> Listen, as a pastor, I can be reminded of my failures almost daily. Right? Even if, even if they're not my personal failures, I have a tendency to take on other people's failures and make them my own. When, when, that, 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 when that marriage fails, man, I wish I, if I would have just seen that sooner, if I would have just helped sooner. Maybe, maybe something else could happen. I mean, there's, there's just hundreds of voices, hundreds of experiences that you can go through. and You can assume things on yourself because that's what the voice of failure wants to do to keep you away from the call of God on your life. But you got to learn something from your failure. Peter missed it. Peter missed it big time. But that didn't limit what Jesus wanted to do in his life. Didn't limit it at all because we know Peter's story. We know what happens not many days after when he begins to be used by God in some of the most great, the greatest ways. It's amazing what Jesus' grace does. Second thing, 
I want you to do. I want you to get a new measuring stick. This measuring stick right here is a measuring stick that I actually purchased after spending some time with uh, Pastor Chris Ball. The reason I did is because I was kind of emoting to him. I was sharing some different things with him. I was kind of going down my, my, my failure list. Just kind of throwing some stuff towards him. And he's like, Craig, you got to start getting a new measuring stick, man. You got to start looking at this differently. And Peter here, he kind of succumbed to that voice of comparison. That's what failure would do. Well, you're not like this person. You're not like that person. You don't do this. You're not gifted this way. You're not as smart as them. All of those different types of things. Peter was like, well, Jesus, what about that guy? He's talking about John, the apostle, right? What about him over there? And Jesus said, what is it to you about him? That he, he's a whole other project of mine. We're talking about you. You follow me. And see, when we follow Christ in the path and the pattern that he calls us to, we're going to be the greatest significance that we can ever be because he completes that in us. We don't have to worry about what other people do. We've got to get a new measuring stick. Man, in this day of, of highlight reels all over your social media and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, it's pretty easy to compare nowadays. We forget that all the good stuff that we see in everybody else's social accounts and all that kind of stuff, I mean, that's, that's all the good stuff. You don't ever post all the bad stuff, right? We compare. You've got to get a new measuring stick. You've got to start looking at it a little bit different. You've got to look at how God measures you, not how everything else measures you. Lastly, lastly, as Jesus is walking through this with Peter, Jesus was trying to establish a new confidence in Peter, but a confidence that was not in himself, a confidence that it was in Christ to complete him, that he would depend on Christ now, that he wouldn't try to be, to be equals with Jesus because he held on to stuff. That's why he went back to fishing. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll do good at this. Maybe, 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 maybe I just need a break for a little bit and I'm going to go back at this. Jesus is saying, take heart again, Peter. It's time. It's time to lay the failure aside. It's time to listen to my voice over the voice of failure. Do you think after Jesus was put in the grave that the, the disciples and Peter didn't talk about how it was the end for him, them? Like, I mean, they just went through all of this stuff and, 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 I mean, failure. Why would I? I just wasted these years of my life following this guy and, he didn't do what we expected him to do. They didn't quite get it. Do we talk more about what, what loses heart or more what, what gives heart to us to fight the good fight of faith? See, it takes courage, heart to try something outside what we're used to doing. It takes courage and heart to keep going when you feel like something is failing. Jesus said, I said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. His voice is stronger, better, and greater than the voice of the law. The law demands your failure, but grace governs your success. So learn something. Let your failure be a teacher to you. Not only that, get a new measuring stick. Stop comparing yourself to others. 
That's not God's intention for you. And finally, take heart again. Because a righteous person, guess what? They fall down seven times, but they get back up. And they keep going. So keep going. God's with you. He's for you. He loves you. He's got great things in store for you. There's going to be seasons that are going to be hard. There's going to be seasons that are difficult. But you got this because you got him. You follow him. Don't follow everything else all around. You follow him. And he will make those paths straight for you. Your failure is not final. But Jesus' grace is when he said, it is finished. That's what he's spoken over your life. That his grace is a done deal over you. And with him saying that on the cross, guess what also is finished? That voice of failure. Stop carrying it around. Lay that down. God's got more for you than you, you could ever, ever even imagine. Would you just stand with me as we kind of come to a close here? Just maybe bow your heads. God, I just ask right now in Jesus' name. God, for each person. God, you are such a shepherd of our souls. You're such a comfort to our hearts. God, you bring peace to our minds. Lord, I pray right now that we would drop the fight. Drop the fight today. That we would stop listening to the voice of failure and fighting against the voice of grace. Because that's half the time the biggest battle that we actually receive from you. Because our failure dictates that, that we shouldn't receive anything from you. And God, we know that we don't deserve anything. But Lord, your grace says, I've given you everything. And so God, today, God, we just cancel out that voice of failure in these precious brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I would ask, God, that they would start to, to use a different measuring stick out of how they're evaluating their past, their present, and their future. God, and that measuring stick comes from leaning in to you, Jesus. Loving you, Jesus, and you'll really take care of it. So, God, I pray a peace on these, these new friends of mine. I pray a grace upon them. God, even as they're clo coming close to a close, I'm sure, in their semesters, Lord, I pray, God, your grace would define them. Your peace would define them, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just work that in their minds and their hearts today. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Bless you, God.